Well, my name is Robin Antoine, uh, if you haven't had a chance to meet me, and uh, it is just a delight to be here with you this morning, uh, sharing the Word of God with you. Um, I, I, I don't like shorts. Uh, yeah, I don't like shorts. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not discriminating against you. You're not discriminating against me, right? I just have this thing with shorts. I just, I just can't do it. Um, I lose heat really quickly. And uh, I find that every time you run into an air-conditioned place, even if you're wearing shorts, you get chilled. And it's like, well, why did I wear shorts? There's no point in it. So I love the pants. So I know you're questioning the pants, but the pants are on. Um, just so you know, everyone who's listening online, the pants are on. And keep the pants on, just in case you're concerned. Um, but yeah, I don't like the cold. So, so anyway, you guys be free. Be free. Free, free to wear shorts. But uh, yeah, it's not me. Okay? I just can't do it. Just can't do it. A little bit of lightness here. Um, This morning we're going to be talking about uh, life from the inside. We're talking about how life comes from the inside out. And uh, in our lives, we're often tripped up in this pattern of looking for life on the outside. We're looking at our circumstances. We're looking at what we have or what we don't have. We're looking at how people treat us. We're looking at how people treat us on our jobs. Uh, we look at our own wealth, our own status. Um, we look at our own security. So do I have proper insurance? Do I have this? Do I have that? And it's like, well, if I have all these things, I have a quality of life. And we're looking for life on the outside. But uh, Scripture would remind us that life is actually on the inside. Uh, right now in science, there's a bit of a debate, just a little debate, uh, about what should we be spending our time exploring? Should we spend our time exploring space, or should we spend our time exploring the oceans? Now, you may not have really thought about it, but um, it was said in, t- uh, in 2013 that $17.8 billion was going to be put into space exploration. $17.8 billion. It's a lot of money. Um, compared to the $5 billion invested into going into our oceans. Now, we have an actual better, because of that, we actually have a better map of the surface of Mars than we have an understanding of what's going on in our own planet under the seas. Um, and we've only actually only covered about um, in exploration. In, in, under the sea, we've only really covered about 5% of the ocean. So there's so much more to see. Uh, the ocean produces 20% of the world's protein supply. Uh, Three billion people rely on the oceans for their livelihood. Uh, the ocean also produces 70% of the world's oxygen. Uh, and so some scientists are saying, I think maybe we're wrong here. They're saying even in the studies of um, algae in the, wa- um, in, in the sea, they're saying the algae actually collects like carbon monoxide as well. And so it's a really, it's a really healthy uh, product that's already in the sea. And they're still debating that there's more species to be discovered and there's more life-giving elements under the sea than there is anywhere else that we know of. And we haven't discovered it yet. But I love Apollo 13. Great movie, right? Apollo 13 is great. Tom Hanks and the crew. Bill Paxton. You know it's a good 90s movie if Bill Paxton is in it. Um, 
All of this effort, $17.8 billion, is spent looking for life outside. When there's a good quantity of life, and maybe more life-giving things, already here um, that we haven't even discovered yet. Sometimes we're always caught looking on the outside for life. Um, when I was in grade six, uh, they, we did an aptitude test. Uh, we did an aptitude test uh, to see uh, how good you were at French. I grew up in the Ottawa area, and uh, in grade six, they had us all do this test before we went to grade seven. And when we were done the test, we got a little note, a little letter in an envelope, and they gave it to our parents, and my mom opened it up to show me when I came home one day that I had actually done really well on this aptitude test. And this aptitude test basically said I was really good at French and I should do French immersion. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm going to do French immersion in grade seven. That's going to be really fun. I, th I thought it was a great privilege to me to have that title given or that um, achievement. So I go to grade seven, though, and when I'm going to grade seven, I'm going with a big flock of friends. You know, in grade six, it's a lot easier to make friends. Um, but grade seven was a really challenging year because when I went to grade seven, I actually was separated from the group of friends that I was in. My group of friends didn't do as well on the aptitude test, and they were part of what they called the extended program. And so they were in classes that I wasn't part of, and unfortunately in high school, um, and, and junior high school, it, it wasn't really cool to be part of that immersion crew because if you were doing French immersion, that meant that you were like super smart or something. And, and, and so, you know, people were kind of looking down on you. So I lost a lot of my group of friends. And grade seven ended up being a really lonely time. Great achievement. Um, I don't show too much for it now as far as my French aptitude goes. But at the time, it was like, it was really shocking to me. And I was looking around at everything going on. I was looking at all my friends and all how popular they were and how many friends they had and how I was outside of that. And I was looking to them for acceptance. I was looking to them for worth. I was looking to, to them to, to give me a sense of purpose. Uh, I was looking on the outside for something um, well, that was missing. I was looking for life on the outside. In the book of Malachi, uh, we have a story about the Hebrew people and how they have now returned to the promised land. They've returned to Israel um, from being in exile. If you remember that the people misbehaved, God exiled them to Babylon. The Persians took over Babylon, and then the Persians said, okay, all of you Hebrews, all of you Israelite people, go back to your land. You can go back to your land, you can rebuild your temple. They go back, they rebuild the temple, and what they build is a very smaller scale of the temple, um, and, and everything is not as good as it once was when they were under their own rule. And the book of Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. It's God's last word to, the, to his people before 400, people say approximately 450 years of silence. There was nothing else said until um, Jesus arrived. And there was nothing much done until Christmas Day. So unfortunately, so all these people here in, who are now in Israel, they're looking at their situation. They're looking at the Persians who rule over them, how much finances they have, how secure they are. And they're sitting there in this, they're sitting now in a, in a scenario where they're being overlooked at everything they're doing 
And they're starting to get lax in their relationship with God. They're starting to not care. They're actually starting to have the question of, what, what's the point? If everyone else around us is doing well, and our God's supposed to be the supreme God, then is there any point in serving God? Maybe we're serving the wrong God if everyone else is doing better than me. Have you ever been caught doing that? Looking at your situation? You are the bride of Christ. You are the children of God. Christ made you clean, took away all your sins, took them away, he didn't wash them, he took them away, made you completely righteous so that he could live in you. But if you look around at your circumstances, you might be wondering, is God really good? If I'm looking on the outside, I have family issues. I have sickness in my body. Um, I have relationship problems. I have children who don't listen to me. I don't have great finances. What's the point? Isn't this new life in me supposed to change my circumstances on the outside? Where's the fruit? You've been there. I've been there. We're looking for life on the outside. But what I want to remind us today of something very important. That through the new covenant, life is now on the inside. What we were looking for, for security, for love, for worth, for acceptance, all the things that we're hunting for in this life that, we cannot, that cannot satisfy us on the outside has actually been accomplished already on the inside because of the presence of God. Matter of fact, you sensed it this morning when you were worshiping. Matter of fact, this morning when you were overwhelmed in your worship by the goodness of God, you experienced something deeper than what the world can offer. You can't write it down. You can't describe it to somebody. There's no words for the goodness of God. It's something deeper than what the world offers. There's life on the inside, and what's on the outside won't do it. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take a little look at that, at how... We're going to look at actually how the Hebrews kind of messed it up. But we're going to see how the gospel really redeems that human problem. So we're just going to read really quickly. Um, if we can just put it up there. I'm going to read this, um, this, this chapter, chapter 3. It's very short, don't worry. And then we're going to go into chapter 4 as well. It's only a few verses. Um, but we're going to read it through and then I'm going to describe to you what's happening. So God says, you've spoken hard. Your rude words to me. You ask, when did we ever do that? God says, when you said, it doesn't pay to serve God. What do we ever get out of it? When we did what he said and went around with long faces, serious about the God of the angel armies, what difference did it make? Those who take life into their own hands are the lucky ones. Anyone else been there? All right, you're good Christians. No one nodded. Okay. Um, they break all the rules and they get ahead anyway. They push God to the limit and they get by with it. Next verse. Then those lives honored, who honored, those whose lives honored God got together and talked it over. God saw what they were doing and listened in. A book was opened in God's presence and minutes were taken of the meeting with the names of the God-fears written down and all the names of those who honored God's name. God of the angel army said this, they are mine, all mine. They'll get special treatment when I go into action. 
I treat them with the same consideration and kindness that parents give the children who honors them. Once more, you'll see the difference it makes between being a person who does the right thing and one who doesn't, between serving God and not serving him. Okay, so just a little bit of context what's going on here in this verse. The book of Malachi is really interesting if you ever had a chance to read it. Um, I, I liken it to, uh, to like marriage counseling. And if you ever read it, you'll notice that there's a dialogue going on where the writer, um, the prophet Malachi, is actually writing down what the people of Israel are saying about God and then what, what God is actually saying back to them. And the Holy Spirit is actually bringing us into a very intimate setting, into a counseling session between God and his people who he has a covenant relationship with. He's bringing us into a very intimate place where we're trying, where the, the harshness of their hearts is being revealed and God's t- intent is also being revealed. Now, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer, right? Um, because sometimes it's really challenging to teach out of the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament relates to the Old Covenant. It relates to the law. Life under the law was basically trying to find life on the outside. So you did these laws, you did this, you did that, you obeyed the laws correctly, then God will bless you. Uh, Deuteronomy of, uh, chapter 30, verse 17 says that, um, choose, uh, it says, today I set before you life and death. This is, what, this is what God says. Today I set before you life and death, the law. This is how you're going to get it. It's on the outside. So the people had to serve in this way and serve in that way in order to experience a true and real relationship with God to really experience life. But for us, it's not the case. We are a new creation, and we don't have to go through any requirements of the law to have contact with God. Matter of fact, Matthew, um, Matthew talks about, or Jesus says in Matthew, sorry, that he is the fulfillment of the law. And when it's translated, fulfillment is require, the requirements um, completed. Uh, this is an end to the requirements. And so if we are in Christ and he has completed the requirements of the law, there is nothing else for us to do to earn his favor and love for us, uh, let alone just receive it. And so it's challenging for us sometimes when we read the Old Testament to say, okay, well, we should do what these individuals are doing. Well, no, in the same context, doesn't entirely relate to us. But there's one thing in particular that is very special about the Old Testament is that what it does, it does, it does reveal at times how the flesh, how we used to be, uh, how, our, how we used to look at God, how we used to respond to God before what happened through the gospel. And what that can do is open our ears or give us eyes to see Maybe ways we're kind of going back and thinking in that old way about him rather than living in the fullness of what we have today. So here in this dialogue, we could see right now, you could see that the people of Israel, they're they're stubborn, they're indignant. Uh, They don't see how there's any worth in following God. And they're wondering, how can he love them if he's doing these things? Or... Not necessarily doing these things, but if he's not doing what they expect, if they're not seeing what they want to see on the outside. Uh, The rest of the verse goes like this. So this is um, verses 1 to 3. So count on it, 
The day is coming, raging like a forest fire. All the arrogant people who do evil things will be burned up like stove wood, burned to a crisp. Nothing left but scorched earth and ash. It'll be a black day. But for these few who honor the Lord. But for you, sunrise, the sun of righteousness will dawn on those who honor my name, healing radiating from its wings. You will be bursting with energy like colts frisking and frolicking. Okay, who here has ever seen colts frisking and frolicking? Anybody? I got one nod. I see two nods. Okay, so it's like a real thing. I've never seen it. Okay, okay. And you'll trump on the wicked, and there'll be nothing but ashes under your feet on that day. God of the angel armies says so. So two things we could rarely learn from God right away is that God is a God who sees. He paid attention. If we go back and you notice that those who honor the Lord, they only got together and started talking about, okay, well, I think we should start doing the right thing. And the moment they decided to do that, God was listening in. He was paying attention. So we have a God who sees. If you haven't listened to Ross's uh, sermon from last week, I highly encourage you to do that, to go back and listen to it um, either on the podcast or on the website. Um, talk to you a lot more about God's heart towards us and, and how he sees everything we're going through. But here we see that we have a God who sees, but also a God who doesn't, who, who doesn't take sin lightly. He doesn't breeze over it. And, and he says that in the last day, there will be a judgment. There will be a final judgment. So those who aren't serving me, yeah, they're going to get what happens. If they live a life that is discerning of the wages of sin, which is death, well, then that's all that's really left. But if we choose life, then there's life for us. And so we can see a little bit more of his heart, um, a little more of, of his character there. But one thing I want to clue in on really quickly is if we can even just go back to verses 17 and 18. So, I love this part. They are mine, all mine, and they'll get special treatment when I go into action. I treat them with the same consideration and kindness that parents give the children who honors them. Now, this is the message, okay? Sorry, I know, I know I'm going somewhere, okay? Is everyone still with me? Uh, say, preacher brother. Okay, good, you're still with me, all right. We're going somewhere. So these individuals here who demonstrated this simple act of faith, God says, I'm going to honor you in the last days, like the end of times. The end of times, you will be remembered. And he says, I will treat them with the same consideration and kindness that their parents give to the child, the child who honors them. But that's the message version, so that's uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. But I really want to read this from um, the English Standard version, um, and it just gives a different picture that I want to highlight. It says this in um, verse 17. It says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Now this term, um, as a man spares his son, you can't even think right now about any other times you hear that term used in the New Testament dialogue or ever in church, a man who spares his son. If you go qu quickly, we're just going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 32. So I'm going to ask you just to skip down there just quite a bit there. If you go to Romans chapter 8, yep, verse 31 to 32, it says this. Well, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not with him graciously give us all things? Listen to the promise of God. We just want to go back to that Old Testament verse, right? Here they're talking about, here Malachi is describing a man who will not spare, um, a man who spares his own son who serves him. He spares him from judgment. Spares means you abstain from hard work. You abstain from slavery. You abstain from labor. This is what God is promising to those who are not even in the new covenant. They don't have what you have. They don't have the blessings and the treasures of Ephesians chapter 1, which is totally worth reading over and over again. They do not have the indwelling Holy Spirit with them. But yet God says, hey, at the end of times, I will spare you. But then we see here that God didn't even spare his own son for you. He's prepared to spare those who are not even in the blessing or in the realm of, of grace that you are in, but yet he was prepared to spare his own son so that you could have the abundant grace and blessing and life that you possess inside of you. That's the love of an almighty God. That is the love of our Father who, who desires us so much that he would do this great act. And I just love the rest of the verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Sometimes we're sitting in our lives um, and we're looking around at others, what other people have. We're looking for life on the outside. Um, and we're considering if that's the case, if so-and-so has this, if so-and-so has that, and they don't even serve God, dare I say, sometimes there are people who are believers, um, who aren't even believers, and they're a little more charitable than I am. Right? Like, sometimes there are people who are, who are not believers, and, they're, and they're, uh, they're, little, they're better neighbors than I am. I have to admit that. Like, sometimes my neighbors come up with really nice ways of, of greeting me and, 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 and talking to my children and treating my children, and I'm just like, yeah, sometimes I think about doing nice things for you, but... And it's like, sometimes it doesn't come out, but it's like sometimes these individuals, they just, they just do it a lot better. Maybe they just learn how to do it. Maybe someone set, set, set the example for them, right? And we're looking around at them, we're like, well, they, maybe, maybe, I don't, maybe I have it wrong. Maybe I'm doing something incorrect here. And, and, and then where, how is everything going to get worked out um, through this new life that's in me? But what I love about this verse is that sometimes we're looking around at the all things that everybody has on the outside, what they possess, their good character, their good deeds, and we're saying, I, I, I don't have those things. I, I have to go out and get them. I have to find some way in my own ability, under my own resources, to attain what they have. And what we do is that we miss out on something. We miss out that he wants to gift to us. That he wants to provide, the, provide in the lack that we have. Sometimes we miss out on the fact that the all things that is there is much bigger than what you can see. I've talked about this previously. Sometimes in our five senses, sometimes our five senses are limited. We could see that so-and-so has this or so-and-so has that, and you're like, okay, well, 
you know, that's what I need so I can feel successful, so I can feel accepted, so I can feel worth, so I can feel secure. And if I have that item, then I'll be fine. But you know what? The all things is not limited to what you can see or discern or what you can hear or smell or taste. It's not limited to that. How many times has God gone above and beyond and given something to you or helped you in a way that you could have never discerned would have been what you needed? And why is that? Well, because he's God. The all things aren't limited to what we know and can see. Sometimes God gives me better than what I asked for. And I've seen it over and over again in my life. Rather than us worrying about the fact that life on the outside will look better than what's going on currently in your own life, we need to stop and consider that life that we have is from the inside out. Everything that we need is supplied in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our life. Jesus Christ is our life. It's hard to receive, right? Because you can't imagine it. But God wants to live in you. I love how Ross says this. God wants to live in you for what purpose? To just live in you. The presence of the most holy God, Jesus, the Holy Trinity, wants to abide in you for the sake of just abiding in you and living in you and being expressed through you. And so the all things that you might be worried about on the outside, he's got that. And why, and, and, and why wouldn't he graciously give you all things if he wouldn't spare his son? Why are we in a race sometimes to get everything figured out when, when things are in a mess? Why are we in a race to figure out our family members who don't do what they, we want them to do? Why have we stopped trusting that, that what we have in him is more than enough? It's important for us to stop and to rest in that truth that the life that we need, the life that we have, is more than enough through him. Um, I want to go quickly to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 19. And it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, what's that word? New creation. Sorry, two words. New creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, um, that is, in Christ God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message, um, the message of reconciliation. So here we read, um, we see the word, all things, or at least we see all again. We can see all is from God, all this is from God, who, who through Christ reconciles us to himself, we also see that God is reconciling all things to himself as well. So if we're concerned, you know, if you're asking the question today, if I have this new life, but I don't see it reflected in my circumstances, I don't see it reflected on the outside, how can I trust that God is actually good? Isn't that actually the litmus test 
that if I trust in God, everything works out, right? So some people are nodding. Are you? <laughs> you guys are really, really good, good people. Okay. It, it, does, it doesn't happen. Like it, it doesn't always happen that way. Oh, everything's fixed just because we have this new life in Christ. No, it's not the case. Some things are still out of sorts. But what I love is this word reconciliation. And um, the word reconcile in this verse is the Greek word um, katalasso. So do we have it there? Katalasso. Everyone say katalasso. It means to reconcile or to purchase. Ooh, to purchase. Anyone, anyone, okay, just be honest. Anyone get really excited when using Amazon? Like, does any, like, like, do the hairs come off the back of your head when you see something so cheap and it could be delivered like tomorrow? And you're like, that, I really want this and I, I, don't ha- I don't see it in the budget, but maybe later on I could pay for it. That's, as soon as your mind starts going there, you, you need to start to uh, put the phone down. That's the most dangerous thing when it's an app and you can go anywhere and buy stuff. That's really dangerous, right? Um, but I just love that term because we're always, con- we're always concerned with the term reconcile being an interpersonal thing. Uh, and in this case, it is. Reconcile also means person to person. But this verse, but that translation also means to purchase. It means to actually go out and redeem something. And we're talking about all things. We're not just talking about people. We're talking about everything. God has a plan. Jesus has a plan through Christ to reconcile all things to himself. All things. So sometimes in our daily lives, we can be like the Hebrews in Israel. They're back in Persia. They're back in Israel. They're still under Persian rule. The Persians are doing well. Anything could happen. The Persians could just decide, ah, we don't like you Hebrews anymore. Let's wipe you out. And let's build a Starbucks on top of your temple. They could do whatever they wanted. Their security was gone. Their worth was gone. The sense of acceptance from God. But what does that matter? Look at the situation we're in. They could look at life on the outside and say, is God for real? We do this sometimes. But the truth is, is that Jesus has a plan to reconcile all things. So even the things in your life that you feel, the circumstances in your life that you feel are out of your control. They are out of your control for a reason. Let me say it again. The things that are, you feel in your life are out of control. They're out of control for a reason. Because they're not under your control. Sickness in your body. Anxiety. Uh, depression. There's a handful of things I can mention that are, are things that are not, we don't even possess. They're just things that are happening to us. They feel like they're out of our control. And we can look at God and say, why haven't you fixed this? But look at the promise. I've come to redeem all things. So the timing isn't on your hands. The fixing of it isn't on your hands. The redeeming of a situation is on your hands. I think about how many times 
how many times my parents would look at things in my life and think when I was a teenager and think, man, we, we got to reconcile that right now. We got to do something. But God had a plan. Think about it in your own lives. How many times does something look out of control and then all of a sudden God corrected it? Sometimes we're on a timetable of how we want God to act when we stop trusting the fact that he has a plan to reconcile and it's not your plan. You don't have to open up your Palm Pilot and get it fixed. Nobody reacted to Palm Pilot. Anybody? <laughs> Palm Pilot? Nobody? Oh, sorry, your Blackberry? Okay, somebody? Your Blackberry? Okay. Um, 20 years. It's a long time. He has a plan to reconcile all things to himself. And, um, you know, those, those Israelites in, in um, those Hebrews who are under Persian rule, and they said, okay, maybe we should get together and figure out a way to honor God. You know, they activated a little bit of faith, and God honored it. But what you have is that much better. You have the giver of life inside of you, and you don't have to look for life on the outside. Let's look at that term life, actually, just quickly before we close. Um, you have a pull up there? Yeah. Somebody could look at, um, you, you could look at somebody who's in, uh, who's in bad health, maybe they're, they're in poverty, don't have a lot of money, um, and, and you could look at them and you could say, well, their quality of life is poor because of the resources that they do not have. And so things in their life are not really coming together. Uh, so it's, it's really hard to say that, you know, since I am here and I'm alive and I'm breathing, that, you know, I really experience life, right? Because it's more than just being able to walk around and have your heart pumping. I mean, all of that's important, obviously. But life is much more than those things because we actually work, our society is built on providing a quality of life. We, we do our best to provide uh, places of acceptance and worth and security and love and care. These, that is what life really is because those are your deepest desires. Those are the things that you need to survive and to function as a human, be as a human being. Acceptance, worth, security, love, and care. As a new, uh, as a new creation, as somebody who's um, who, who is in Christ and there's new life in you, if you are that individual, then Christ is your acceptance. Christ is your worth. Christ is your security. Christ is the love that you need. Christ cares for you. He is your life. Sometimes we get frustrated with other people when we don't receive those things from them. And, and sometimes it's rightfully so, because those are our deepest needs that we were designed with by God to be satisfied in our relationship with him. But because of what happened through Adam, we got separated from God. Because of sin, we got cut off from our relationship with him, from that unconditional um, acceptance. But 
Praise be to God through the power and the love and the affection of Jesus Christ by his complete obedience and mission to God, we have been now reconnected to full life, that our design for unconditional acceptance, love, acceptance, and care has been restored. And it's a present inside of us. It's present and it's alive and well inside of us. We don't have to look for life on the outside. I get excited sometimes when they say, oh, look, we found elements of water on Mars. On Mars! And they sent a little robot up there, and this little Wally's running around looking for water, and I'm like, oh, that's so exciting. When the fact of the matter is that there's so much more life going on here on Earth that would probably sustain us for so many more years if we took the time to research it. doesn't make too much sense to put all that emphasis on looking outside. Just as an analogy, it's the same thing for us. We have an abundance of life on the inn, an abundance of life present here. Your quality of life isn't the quality of life. It's life upon life upon life upon life upon life upon life. It's stacked. I love how, um, how Peter's, um, First Peter says that uh, you've been given everything that you need for life and godliness. You've been given everything. You're not lacking anything. He, he, he's totally present with you, and um, he's reconciling all things to himself. And this nagging question of, if I have the new life inside of me, but my circumstances are still poopy. Is God really for me? It's time for us to rest, not listen to that question, not try to solve it, to rest in the fact that we have life found present inside of us. It's in the presence of Jesus Christ. And he wants to supply your every need. Just one last thing before we close. A friend of mine, we got together uh, recently, and uh, I had a little campfire in my backyard, and uh, we were just kind of chatting together. And uh, I, I went through a, a recently a, a really difficult time, so I won't go into it in in detail now. Um, but uh, but he was aware of it, and and he wanted some more details. Wanted me to kind of share some more. Um, and he said, like, didn't you think that God abandoned you when you were going through that hard time? And I told him this. And when I said it, it sounded super spiritual and cool. And I was like, I'm super spiritual. Does anyone else have a super spiritual medal? Because I got one that day. It came down from heaven. It was like, there it was. Um, fooling around there, but, but I know the response came out of me wasn't me. Uh, it was like God just reminded me of something that I hadn't even voiced yet. And I said to him, I said, that what I went through was so difficult, but I wouldn't trade it for a thing because of how God revealed himself to me. The way I got to see and know God's heart of love for me, I wouldn't have known it unless I went through the hard thing. It wouldn't have mattered. It had so much more worth because I had to trial, I had to press into him. And then I'm pressing into him, and God's like, oh, I didn't move. I'm here. I was with you the whole time. I saw everything, but I care for you. 
the, um, the affection of God that I experienced, how I saw the beauty of Jesus in the midst of it, how the word of God was open to me in the midst of it, I wouldn't trade it for a thing because I received life in a dark time. Sometimes you don't notice the light unless you're in the dark. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't experience the light unless you're in the dark. And God is not limited to revealing himself in good circumstances in your life. He's not limited to that. He'll use everything. He will reconcile all things to reveal himself to be faithful and good and trustworthy in every situation in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, good, 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 good. Because I was feeling it. I was feeling, that was an amen one. That was an amen one. I felt it. Man, I'm just like, like I, I wouldn't, for the things that I experienced, no, I wouldn't ask it on anybody. But for what I learned about the love of God and how he revealed himself to me, the beauty of Jesus. The beauty of Jesus makes everything attractive. Even the darkest situations bright because he is life and he is light. Sometimes you don't know the light is there unless there's a shadow. So we have to do our best at times to rest in the fact that life is found on the inside, not the outside. Um, what I'm going to do is that we're just going to close quickly. So, um, we're getting close to time of ending, uh, and you guys are all melting into your seats. So uh, I'm just going to pray a blessing on you, but just while I'm praying, don't even bother listening to me. I'm just going to say a blessing over you. Um, but this is an opportunity for you to just rest in the fact that life is on the inside. And if that same question, if I have new life inside of me, why isn't it not reflected in my circumstances? Maybe you need to bring that question to Jesus right now. So I'm just going to pray, but you don't even bother with what I'm saying. I'm just going to bless you guys, and you talk with Father, okay? All right, let's pray. Uh, every person here is the, uh, the holiest place on earth. Because you are holy and you abide in them. So they are the holiest place on earth. When they go out into places that are, when they go out actually out of this place, they are containers surging with life. When they go into dead places, maybe their workplaces, their schools, um, uh, their family life, family reunions where some people don't follow Jesus. They are containers of life. Uh, I pray a blessing right now that they would all each feel the surge of your life within them today. I pray for a renewal of every fruit of your spirit, joy, love, peace, patience, faithfulness, and even the ones I can't remember right now. Lord Jesus, empower them to go forward with your life to be beacons of light and life where there's death. And if they're carrying the burden of trying to control their circumstances to get life on the outside, I pray that you would take it from them. Take the burden from them and instead return to them your yoke, which is light and easy. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.